Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in to part two of the episode today. This part focusing on the world of combat sports as the pound for pound rankings have shifted dramatically following UFC 298. So we'll look at that. Plus, uh, look at the world of professional wrestling as we had the go home Monday Night Raw for Elimination Chamber. If you're looking for more sportsy stuff, I talked Flames, Canucks, uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend and Canadian Football League on part one of the episode today. Uh, so it is available wherever you are consuming this. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Uh, you can like this video and subscribe. If you want this in podcast form, it's available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and you can find, um, uh, when you are there, sorry, uh, you can subscribe and leave a review. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash couchpotatodiary. I'd say yes, it's it's me. Um, either way, let's get into it and talk some pound-for-pound pound rankings in the UFC. So the Ultimate Fighting Championship has a bit of a shakeup after Ilya Teporia beats Alex Volkanovsky at UFC 298. If you're looking for a breakdown of that uh, main event, I did that on Monday's episode. So today, uh, we are going to be looking at the new pound-for-pound pound male rankings in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Swig of water for the working man. Sorry. Um... Oh, that didn't help. All right, <laughs> let's get into it. Um, and let's start with, uh, at number 10. It is Israel Adesanya. Um, just by the nature of the UFC, uh, there's a lot of champions, and I think they deserve to be on the list. So uh, Adesanya, just one of a couple of uh, non-belt holders on this list. But um, he still had an amazing run at 185 pounds, coming off of um, a difficult defeat for sure. But... Still has, I think, the resume recently to remain on this list at 10. Um, at 9, it is Pantoja, the flyweight champion. Still a pretty new champion, but a couple of good wins. I think he deserves to be on the list, but I also think he deserves to be toward the bottom of the list. At 8, it is Alex Volkanovsky. It... It is tough losing three of four, and maybe I should have him a little bit lower on this, but that was still a remarkable run at 145 pounds. And that he was competitive in one of his losses to Makashev and took the other one on short notice, I, I have a tough time really dinging him. So one more loss, and he's off the list for sure. But I still think because of how well he defended that title for as long as he did, um, he deserves to be in the pound-for-pound rankings. At seven, it's the man who took the belt from him, Ilya Teporia. Um, you, you beat someone who I had at number two or three when um, when we started these rankings. You're, you're going to be high on the list, and I, I think he deserves to be over Volkanovski right now, uh, just based, again, on Volk losing three of those last four. At six, it is Drikus Duplessis. Um, the, the one thing he's kind of missing is like a, a real marquee win. Um, I get he won the middleweight championship, um, but Sean Strickland wasn't on this list. Um, Robert Whitaker wasn't on this list. So the, the big names that he has fought, he, he didn't get there, but he still, like... I, I, 
I still think he deserves to be high on this list. So at six, he goes. At five, it is the bantamweight champion, Sean O'Malley. He is up next to defend his championship at UFC 299 against Cheeto Vera in a rematch there. Um, but O'Malley has been coming on and looks like he, he has finally reached the potential that we all saw in him. Um, John Jones comes in at four just strictly for inactivity since winning the heavyweight championship, but he is still the heavyweight champion and deserves to be up on here. Um, and obviously the, the resume speaks for itself. He's on the Mount Rushmore pound for pound all time in the UFC. At three, it is now the longest reigning champion in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and that's Leon Edwards, the welterweight champion. Maybe deserves to be a little bit higher on this list, but the, the top two guys have done things in a couple of different weight classes. So that's where they kind of bump up over Edwards for me. But obviously, Edwards with wins over Kamaru Usman and then Colby Covington deserves to be up at the, the top of this list. Um... Number two, it is uh, Pereira. He is the light heavyweight champion following um, a, a brief run as middleweight champion, but because recently he has success in both middleweight and at light heavyweight, I, I think he deserves to be toward the top of this list. But at number one, it's Islam Makashev. With two wins over uh, someone who I had as the pound-for-pound pound number one going into that, you just stay at the top of the list until you lose. And then, honestly, you might have to lose a couple of times. Islam Makashev is just starting what looks like to what looks like it could be a real run of greatness at 155 pounds. And I don't know what is going to knock him off of this perch. We haven't really... like. I was going to say, we haven't really had a whole lot of um, uh, guys like really stay at the top here for a little bit. But I mean, you, you look at it like we had John Jones recently leading up to that. It was like George St. Pierre or Anderson Silva. Um, but then like since John Jones, it's been, well, maybe it's Adesanya. Now maybe it's Usman's time. This one could be a real, real run with Islam Makashev as the pound for pound king in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So, the next time these could really get shaken up is at UFC 299 with Sean O'Malley taking on Cheeto Vera. But again, there's a good UFC card coming up this weekend um, out in Mexico. The atmosphere should be electric. I'm excited for it. We'll break down a little bit of it coming up on Friday's show. Enough of the UFC. This is a very TKO-heavy um, edition. And actually, you know what? There's a touch of UFC talk when we look over Monday Night Raw. The road to Elimination Chamber took its last stop as the WWE um, got ready for Monday Night Raw before Elimination Chamber coming up this weekend. Um, this was, overall, this was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. And three hours, they don't ever fly by, but it didn't feel like a, a three-hour show that dragged, really, at, at any point for me. It starts hot with Cody taking on Drew McIntyre. Obviously, these guys can tear the house down. Um, but then you get the outside interference with um, the, the bloodline getting involved. And it just, it layers this story, I think, so incredibly well. On the one hand, for Cody, it is really driving home how the numbers game is kind of against him right now. And it does feel like it's setting up for someone else. And I have said before... To not get too worked up about uh, about surprises, because wrestling fans, we can do that sometimes. Remember when the, the signing of Christian in AEW was going to be John Cena or Brock Lesnar? Um, so I, I don't want to get too excited. But with The Rock's involvement, and with this particular performer's involvement at a WrestleMania a couple of years ago... It's hard to not think Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Like, he obviously has the long history with The Rock... 
He has wrestled The Rock at a WrestleMania in Philadelphia before. He is game ready always. I I just think a lot of it stacks up that, and maybe it's because I watched WrestleMania 16 recently with a McMahon in every corner, but you have The Rock in Roman Reigns' corner, you have Stone Cold in Cody Rhodes' corner, and that's how you go about it. I do think that this does eventually end with The Rock turning on Roman, setting up something for WrestleMania 41. Um, kind of like The Rock and John Cena from WrestleMania uh, 28 into 29. But, or sorry, I guess 27 into 28, um, which then led to WrestleMania 29 as well. But um, I, I do think that it, it's setting up, because like the, the the one part about it that I don't really know how they're going to, to pay off or what it's going to really mean is Seth Rollins being like, I, I'll be your shield against the bloodline. Um, because Seth is now, after Elimination Chamber, probably going to spin off and do his own thing. Um, and I imagine that thing would be with Drew McIntyre, who is the other part of this whole equation. Um... I love this for the Drew character. And I thought his explanation later on in the show was perfect. Perfect. Because it needed. It needed it, right? Like, the, the way he wins this match against Cody to get the momentum into Elimination Chamber, uh, I guess into his uh, SmackDown match with LA Knight, then into Elimination Chamber. But still, um, the, the way that he justified it was just perfect. Because the way he wins this is the exact reason why he turned heel in the first place. And the thing that he has been fighting against, that the bloodline came in and cost him a world championship back at uh, Clash of the Castle. And then Jey Uso, who is now babyface, comes in and everyone's loving him. And that just eats at Drew McIntyre even more. And that is what basically led to the heel turn of Drew McIntyre. Is this exact thing that he benefited from to pick up the win. So it's always fun when a heel has a bit of hypocrisy in it. But then his explanation was perfect. Saying, look, I was frustrated at it. I hated that it happened. But my focus is on the World Heavyweight Championship. It's not on... Cody Rhodes in the bloodline. My focus is building that momentum to win a match so I can go to Elimination Chamber so I can eventually get my goal of winning the World Heavyweight title at WrestleMania. It is that heel logic that I think was spectacular. And it's those sorts of details that were missing from WWE um, under a previous regime. Not even going to mention him because he doesn't even be deserve to be mentioned. Um, but under this current Paul Levesque Triple H regime, um... I I feel like they have a more attention to detail. When before, it would have been like, ah, they, they, whatever. It was either they could piece it together or this thing would have been explained to death. Um, and instead, you got the explanation that you needed. Uh, not, a, not a ton of subtlety, but enough that it was like, okay, that this is, like, they weren't beating me over the head with it. We got the explanation we needed. It was heelish, but it was perfect. Loved every moment of it. Bravo. Um, I, I thought it was just, I thought it was so good. And like I said, I'm interested to see, cause I think it will be Drew coming out of Elimination Chamber. Um, I'm interested to see how these two kind of spiral off Drew and Seth into their own thing leading up to WrestleMania. Uh, in the main event, Jey Uso with a shot at the Intercontinental title, taking on, uh, the, the, the Ring General, Gunther. This was a fun match. This was a really, really fun match. And the crowd was into it. The crowd was believing that Jey Uso was going to win this match and head into uh, head into WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion. And then Jimmy comes out and costs him. Gunther gets the win. And then you get the post-match beatdown. That is so clear. Like, th this is the path now to WrestleMania. It is Jimmy versus Jey. 
at WrestleMania, and that is going to be just an excellent build. This, while there has been a lot of backstabbing and whatever, this was the thing that was needed. I thought they did a good job for the past, like, month of building Jay up as a, look, I want to win a singles title here. This is my chance to do that. And then you get Jimmy costing him that, and it just reignites the feud immediately. It was perfect. So well done. I... I really did enjoy that. And I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a hell of a feud between these two. And I think it's going to be a really, really good match coming up. And I, I think the back and forth is going to be so like, this has a chance to be one of the stories that we remember. Cause a lot of times like take team breakups, edge and Christian, we never really got a whole, I mean, we're getting it now, but we never really got a ton out of it. Right? Like we don't remember what it was Jeff against Matt Hardy. It just, it went so off, right? Like it was, it, Matt fired off Pyro and tried to murder his brother, set a fire that killed Jeff's dog. Like it, it was that kind of stuff, that over the top kind of stuff that just kind of sometimes takes you out of it a little bit. This, with all that they have done in storyline and all the real life shit you can bring into it, I think this has a chance to be kind of the, like, it's never going to be uh, the barbershop window with Sean throwing Marty through it. Um, but this always had, but th this could be one of the new, like, oh yeah, this is what you are looking for in a, a brother split up in a, a tag team split up sort of a thing. Uh, Raquel Rodriguez wins the battle Royal to head into the elimination chamber. As soon as she came out and it was the, oh my, it was like, well, she's winning. Um, and I don't mind it. I, I think it's an intriguing aspect of it. I said this in the uh, Elimination Chamber Storylines um, episode over on Monday. Check that wherever you are um, consuming this bit of content. This match needs some form of unpredictability. Because it really feels like this is just Becky's going to steamroll her way to WrestleMania to take on Rhea Ripley. Uh, Rhea Ripley, sorry. It, it really feels like that. And for these guys now to have Raquel Rodriguez in there, she did kind of feel like when she won the Battle Royal, it was like, okay, this could be a challenger. And you have Rhea against Raquel or Raquel against Nia. And it, it has a, a real meaning to it. And I, I suppose like you, you could have a bit of like the, the way they could get out of this, just thinking of it now. Um, I don't know if it makes all the sense in the world, but Raquel ends up, with a surprise win over Becky. Becky is pissed, costs Rhea a championship, um, loses to Nia Jax, and then you still have the blood feud of Rhea Ripley against Becky Lynch that honestly a match of that magnitude maybe doesn't need the, the title attached to it anyway, and then you could still have Raquel against Nia. Now, that heals Becky incredibly, and I don't know if you ne want to do that necessarily, although it is tough to keep having mommy as a, um, as a, 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 uh, heel, right? Like the crowd is into the mommy's always on top stuff with Rhea Ripley and, and all of that. So like, maybe this is kind of a, a quick double turn on the road to WrestleMania, but I think odds are it's going to be real winning, um, triumphant in her hometown and Becky, um, Becky winning the, the chamber, and that's the, the match that you end up going with. And you can still do Raquel against Nia, and it's two very large human beings um, in a uh, a match that always... The, the, ta the match type is always an easy sell for the WWE, and they do, do those types of things really well. The one issue I had with Raquel, and the one issue I have just in general with her, is that, like, in the ring, she is so much bigger than everyone, and just, like, so strong and throwing everyone around, 
but the character doesn't feel serious. And then they do this promo battle thing where Becky comes out, cuts the big long thing, and then gets interrupted by someone who then gets interrupted by someone who then gets interrupted by someone who then gets interrupted. And they, they do that whole song and dance. And Raquel very much because she was like out of the six, she's probably the sixth best talker in that whole thing. She kind of felt like a bit of an afterthought in it. And so the reason I've never been able to fully get behind Raquel is that it has, she, she is just as a baby face. She has never been able to really get that serious edge to her as a heel. She had it 100% felt like a dominant heel, but she hasn't been able to translate smiling and going out there and being the good guy with also being a dominant ass kicker and having it feel like a full complete character. So if they can do that, then they have a star because she has everything else. It's just, she feels more like she should be on the heel side, given how that character works compared to what I just find to be a less intriguing character as a babyface. Um, some quick notes, judgment day against Ms. R-Truth and DIY, uh, DIY felt like filler and it felt almost too soon. Cause my prediction was, um, the awesome truth against judgment day for the tag titles at WrestleMania. And this kind of felt like a, Oh no, they're just, way better than everyone and they just demolish them and that's that this almost felt a little blow-off ish and so maybe this was just um a really really fun entertaining angle that gets us to where judgment day is going to get to leading into uh leading into wrestlemania but th this th this kind of felt a little bit like filler um chad gable and ivar continue to just absolutely steal the show time and time and time and time and time again um it's been a whole lot of fun watching that that feud this win on monday kind of felt like that was it for it and now i wonder if either of them get any kind of a prominent spot going into wrestlemania aside from a battle royal or something but they both deserve to be in somewhat of a intercontinental title picture going forward i would say anyway and then lastly inter i told you there'd be some ufc talk on this interesting that michael chandler comes out he doesn't have a fight schedule with conor mcgregor and cuts a promo on conor mcgregor i'm I, I think there's a few things at play. One, like, obviously, they're owned by the same company now, Endeavor, TKO, whatever you want to call them. Um, so that this is just getting some integration on there, making Michael Chandler a bit more of a, a recognizable name. And so when that fight does eventually happen, it can be like, oh, hey, wasn't that that guy who screamed on Monday Night Raw leading into Elimination Chamber? Yeah, it was. Cool, let's watch. That's probably the, the hope. We saw a bit of that, that they shouted out the next uh, Netflix company. Um, that There were some Endeavor high-ups, behind the commentary booth or on first row um before the main event of raw um so there was like there was a lot of that integration i do wonder if this is them putting some pressure on conor mcgregor who they said like yeah we're gonna have this we're hoping to have it for um hoping to have it for international fight week then we're hoping to have it sometime in the fall then it was we're hoping to have it sometime this year um I, I think that there was a little bit of the UFC using this platform, over a million people watching it, uh, probably going to get uh, another close to a million on, on social media. I think this was the UFC trying to put pressure on Conor McGregor, like, hey, dipshit, you want to stop by? You want to maybe have a fight here at some point? That would be really, really helpful. Thanks a bunch. Uh, okay, that's going to do it for the Raw Recap, and thus today's program. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. As far as the rest of the week for combat sports coverage 
is concerned, uh, tomorrow we are going to be looking at uh, just other stories happening in wrestling right now. This is a good time around a pay-per-view to just look at the, the whole landscape in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, and then nothing on Thursday. Coming up on Friday, we will have the fights to make after UFC 298. We'll have a full Elimination Chamber preview for you. Um, and then sometime this weekend, there's going to be a Elimination Chamber review that will be uh, coming out on wherever you are consuming this, whether you're watching on YouTube or in podcast form. So thank you all so much for tuning in today. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment too. That stuff really does help out as well. Um, and if you want this in more, uh, just in audio only form, it is available in a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you are listening to this, you can watch it on YouTube, uh, but also make sure you su uh, subscribe and make sure you leave a review. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. It's been awesome seeing the numbers moving up and up and up on the channel, and I will talk to all of you later.